Good evening, everyone. Thank you for coming. Our discussion this evening will be on the first Anucheda of Jiva Goswami's Paramatma Sandarbha, the third subsection. We ended last discussion with um, uh, an, an explanation of how properly presented um, subject matter is uh, framed in such a way that the beginning and the end of that presentation is in harmony. So Jiva uses that as a logic to justify the fact that um, Krishna's statements at the beginning of the 13th chapter correspond with his statements at the end of that 13th chapter and therefore we can understand what Krishna is presenting as, as conclusive in that regard by that correlation between what's presented in the beginning regarding the field of activities and the knower of the field and how it's presented in the end. It's presented in the end in the following two verses. We know we've gone over pretty extensively the beginning two verses of the 13th chapter. So the concluding statements coming at the 21st and 22nd verse of that 13th chapter, being situated in matter, meaning being situated in a material body, um, the living entity, Purusha, experiences the objects, gunas, born of material nature. Attachment to material objects, the byproducts of those gunas, is the cause of its birth in higher or lower species. So according to our attachments, then we take birth in a particular um, material body, and those material bodies are born of the modes of material nature according to their situation in a higher, either higher or lower, either in, in Tamagoon, the lower goon, or in Sattvagoon. Then in the next verse of that chapter goes on to say, in this body there is another Purusha. So the first verse, the 21st verse, speaking of the Jiva, the Jivatma within a body, and then the 22nd verse, there's another Purusha. Both are Purushas. There's a mini me, and then there's the big me. So there's a, there's a small Purusha. He has a very limited amount of control. Purusha means one who can control. So there is the small Purusha within a body who can control just that body. It can walk here, it can walk there, it can take this, it can take that, it can think this way, it can think that way, but it's limited in its capacity. And then Krishna goes on in the very next verse to say, in this body, in the same body, there's another Purusha. So it's a two for one. Mm -hmm. Two people are living here. We're not alone. <laughs> every step that we take, every move we make somebody's watching. He's that other Purusha. He's aware of what's going on. Who is also referred to as the witness, the sanctioner, the sustainer, the protector, the almighty ruler, and the supreme eminent self, Paramatma. 
So that's the 22nd verse of the uh, Gita's 13th chapter. Jiva touches upon some places in the Upanishads where it would seem to say that from non-existence, existence comes. That's the way the verses read in Sanskrit. Asat, from the asat, sat manifests. Well, we can't take those verses literally because then it, then the, the scripture itself would not make any, any sense because asat literally means non-existence. So how can something that doesn't exist produce an existing thing? Well, that just doesn't make sense. So, um, and Jiva uses these verses from the Upanishads to bring out this correlation between beginning statements and ending statements and how we can see them in proper context. And I didn't mention this, but the proper understanding of the term asat in the context of what Jiva is speaking about is the uncaused cause, not something that doesn't, you know, asat, the uncaused cause. Nothing causes Krishna. He's the uncaused cause. So from asat comes sat. From the uncaused cause comes sat, existence. He's not caused by anything, but he causes everything. All knowledge is Krishna's. It's his cognition. So now Jiva's going to be finishing up this very first Anucheta by putting forth a strong argument for what he said earlier. And what he said earlier was, when we look at the Shetragya, when we look to who, you know, to what is that knower of all fields, the real understanding has to be that that knower is the Paramatma, not the Jivatma. So he goes on to say in his Anucheta, in the statement, knowledge of the field, Shetra, and of the knower of the field, Shetragya, the knower pertaining to the field, which will be shown either as acquired through the senses or as not so acquired, is understand, understood as my, Krishna's, knowledge alone. Similarly, the knowledge present to the knower of the field, which was previously described as that related to its corresponding individual body, is also understood as my, Krishna's, knowledge alone. This is so in regards to the field, because it is my, Krishna's, knowledge alone that pervades the fields, Shetras as a shadow of a portion of my cognition. So this is Jiva Goswami's personal paraphrasing 
of the second verse of the 13th chapter. I'm the knower in all fields. So Jiva's unpacking that a little. It's Krishna. You can't look at it, you know, this, this is referring to Krishna himself as Paramatma. Um, in these discussions, primarily the whole, what we're studying here is the Paramatma Sandarbha. So understand when we say Krishna, we're talking primarily in these discussions about the Paramatma aspect of the Supreme Lord. I'll try to be distinct when there's definite reference to Bhagavan Sri Krishna and otherwise understood that, understand that what we're discussing is Paramatma because everything needs to be seen in context as we've learned and as we'll continue to continue to understand more deeply as we progress. A shadow of a portion of my cognition. That's what Krishna's Jiva is unpacking. A shadow of a portion of my cognition. That's what we have. We call that knowledge. But it's really, well, it's a shadow because what? Because we're in the shadows. We're located in the ignorance of material existence. So that's all we get. That's the best we can do unless, unless Krishna illumines our, our cognition himself. We, only have a sh we can only truly perceive a shadow of what's going on around us. Again, it is so in regard to the knowers of the field, because it is my consciousness alone that pervades the knowers of the fields as individuated portions of my consciousness. So Jiva's unpacking it in such a way that the Jiva is, well, it's my parson, part and parcel. Mamaivam soul Jiva loke. These are my parts and parcels. If they know anything, their knowledge is part of my knowledge. If they perceive anything, their perception is a portion in the shadows of my cognition. So that's Jiva's unpacking. So who's really the knower of the field? Paramatma. He's the true knower. And any knowledge we have, well, he's already had it. Anything that we perceive, he's already perceived it. He's, he's fully, totally, absolutely aware of anything and in the presentational field. And we're thinking, wow, that was... A, You'll never see a sun, sunset like that again. <laughs> Krishna's like, oh, I can make one right now. You want to see it again? You want me to replay that frame of your existence? Not a problem. Because it's all coming from my cognition. What you're, what I, what you're allowed to perceive. What your limited capacity of, of perception affords you. That's all coming from me. I, I'm fully aware of everything. You're kind of aware because you're a portion 
an infinitesimal portion of my consciousness. Therefore, the statement made above that the primary Shetragya is Paramatma and not the Jiva is confirmed. Some supporting documents some supporting comments in this regard. We can look to the Brahma Sutra, the Vedanta Sutra. The two Atmas who have entered the cavity of the heart of the Jiva and Paramatma because it is so described in other scriptures. In the scriptures, I'm sorry. Paramatma is primary, whereas Jiva is subordinate. The Jivas have limited knowledge of one field of activity. And we're devoid of knowledge of what the other Jivas are, what their field. That's probably a good thing. Paramatma perceives it all. He has complete knowledge of all fields and of all Shetragyas. He, he perceives it all. Moreover, a jiva is not independent of Paramatma in its knowing capacity. We're a we're fully dependent on the Supreme Paramatma in, a, in this realm for all of our knowledge and our cognition. So Vaisampayana, sage, Vyas, therefore concludes that only Hari is the Satragya. That's from the Mahabharata. That's his conclusion. Jiva Goswami continues with the following which is basically going to deal with present to us that the Paramatma pervades the cosmos and the Jiva again fortifying the position of Paramatma the manifestation of the Paramatma feature of Bhagavan is also indicated by the personified Shrutis so he's going to use another Praman another evidence to support the point he's trying to make to us. So quoting from the 10th canto, 87th chapter, the Shruti say, O Eternal One, you, you, Paramatma, from whom all these jivas have come, being their cause, pervade them unrestrictedly. Thus you are their regulator. Jiva says, according to this understanding, Paramatma is to be known as that partial form of Bhagavan who possesses special potency and from whom the living entities appear. Then he goes on to say, quoting the Bhagavad Gita's 10th chapter, I pervade and support this entire cosmos with a single fraction of my power. And then he quotes from the Vishnu Purana. We offer obeisances to the immutable Supreme Brahman. This entire cosmic energy 
is situated in a portion of a one hundred millionth part of his potency. The whole cosmos is in that one hundred millionth particle of his potency. This is from the Vishnu Purana. We offer our obeisances to the immutable Supreme Brahman. This entire cosmic energy, the entire material energy, is situated in a portion of a 100 millionth part of his potency. So now to to a very significant point that comes out here from what Jiva is presenting in this very first Anucheta of the Paramatmasandarbha. And it's a unique it's a unique presentation because generally the distinction like when Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, Vamayavamso Jiva Loke Jiva Bhuta Sanatana, the eternal living being is an integrated part of me alone. In this material world, it is entangled with the mind and the five cognitive senses, which are rooted in phenomenality. The general understanding is Krishna's talking about himself as Bhagavan Sri Krishna, Mamai Vam Sol Jiva Loke. But the, but the inter- interesting thing, Ekam Sainas Dito Jigat, from the 42nd verse of the 10th chapter we Krishna said we just read that earlier that this whole cosmos is from a, a fraction it, it's manifest from a fraction and jiva brings out the understanding that that is the paramatma his paramatma feature within a specific universe so to understand that the jivas are parts of Paramatma. That's a unique... Jiva has brought up a unique point there that's generally not understood. People generally think, well, we're part of Krishna. Well, you're part of the Paramatma portion of Krishna. Mm -hmm. Now, and if we look to the Paramatma portion of Krishna, then... We look to, as we'll go into the next Anucheta, the three aspects of that Paramatma within the material cosmics, cosmos. Karna Dakshai Vishnu, Garbo Dakshai Vishnu, Kashira Dakshai Vishnu. So the part of the part that we are of is of that Paramatma part of Krishna. His expansion as Paramatma or the Purusha avatars. That's what the Jiva is a part of. But generally when we read, when we when we hear this verse from the Gita, we think, oh, we're part of Krishna. You are. You're part of a part of Krishna. And Paramatma is the part of Krishna that you're a part of. According to this understanding, Paramatma is to be known as that partial form of Bhagavan who possesses special potency and from whom the living entities appear. 
It is said in the Gita, 10th chapter, I pervade and support this entire cosmos by a single fragment of my power. 10th chapter, 42nd verse. Being the whole of which the jivas are a part of, Paramatma is the controller and they are the controlled. This is a very significant point to be noted and a unique observation on the part of Srila Jiva Goswami. The general opinion is that the Jiva is a part of Sri Krishna. As he himself states in the Gita, 15th chapter, 7th verse, which we just read, Vavivam Sol Jiva Loke Jiva Bhuta Sanatana. Sri Jiva Goswami makes it clear, however, that the Jiva is within the direct jurisdiction of Paramatma and not of Bhagavan. Then he goes on, then we need to unpack that a little bit. Well, Paramatma is involved with the cosmos. I'm trying to be involved with Krishna in the transcendental realm. So where's one, where's one leave off and the other one take control? So I'm just going to read through this. This is confirmed by the prayers of the Vedas personified stated in the text, cited in the text. This understanding also accords with the principle that the conditioning of the jiva is beginningless and that the jiva did not fall into the material creation from Vaikuntha. In other words, we're not a part of Krishna in the Vaikuntha realm. We are an expansion of Paramatma in the material cosmos. So we didn't, we did, there's no, we didn't come even as a part of Krishna directly. We came of a part of a part. Now this is going to also be unpacked more fully when we go into the manifestations of the Chaturbhuha and the Chaturbhuha's first manifestation, the second manifestation. It, it's going to be a little technical. It is only when a conditioned living being surrenders to Bhagavan that he comes directly under his jurisdiction. It's only, it's only when the living entity surrenders to Bhagavan that Krishna becomes, Krishna comes into the picture at that time directly. Prior to that, we're dealing with Paramatma. Hence, in the following statement, Krishna describes the nature of his dealings both as Paramatma related to the non-devoted and as Bhagavan in relation to devotees. From the ninth chapter of Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says the following, 29th verse, I am equal to all living beings, all beings. There is no one hateful or dear to me. But those who worship me with devotion are in me, and I am also in them. So from this verse, Krishna is talking about both his function, Paramatma's function as a part of him. I am equal to all living beings. There is no one hateful or dear to me. I'm equal to all. 
But then he goes on to the say, but those that are surrendered to me with devotion, they're in me. And I am also in them. So this now, Krishna is entering the picture. Krishna is becoming the istadev of the of the jivatma, according, well, as the jivatma surrenders. Yayatam mam prapajante. The earlier verse is 929. I am equal to everyone, but those to surrender unto me with devotion, I'm in them. They're in me. Of course, being part of Paramatma, we're part of who's part of Krishna, we are with Krishna. But as far as direct reciprocal relations, the living entities within the material world, their their direct relation with the Supreme is as Paramatma. It is only when the agency of the Surup Shakti influences the living entity that Krishna himself, as they surrender unto me, I reward them accordingly. Ye yata So then, now, Krishna is rewarded. Krishna, I am rewarding accordingly. Paramatma is neutral. He's just observing and sanctioning. Jiva goes on to make a little point about uh, the potency of time and its relationship with Paramatma. Jiva says in this Anacheda, the complete pure potency of Bhagavan is indicated in Vishnu Purana. May that Bhagavan Hari who is pure be propitiated is that how it's pronounced? Propitiated. I don't see the CH in there though. Huh? Ah, okay. By us. Propitiated by us. The potency instrumental in the perception of the various divisions of time, such as Kala, Kasta, and Nimesha, is not that of the pure, this is from the Vishnu Purana, Bhagavan, but of Paramatma. It doesn't mean that Paramatma isn't pure. But there's different manifestations of the potency of the Supreme. So that's the wording that's used in this verse from the Vishnu Purana. Jiva Goswami goes on in his Anacheda. And in the Narada Pancharatra, Sri Narada says, O Deva, I wish to know in truth of the pure creation and of the two types of creation and of the one who exists beyond these two types of creation." The two sides, Jiva explains, the two types of creation are those of Pradhana, the unmanifested primordial nature before it manifests the cosmos, and of Shakti, the extrinsic potency of Maya, which were described prior to this verse. Again, this is from his Narada Pancharatra. Then there's a lengthy description uh, from Bhagavan himself 
which I'll just take the essence of. This Bhagavan, who is pure consciousness and self-luminous, after generating his own self by himself, in other words, he doesn't have another cause, he's cause enough, caused an unlimited form to become manifest, called Purusha, who is of the nature of all pervasive light. This will come out, more of this will be unpacked as we move forward in the in this particular Paramatma Sandarbha. And the verses quoted here from the Narada Pancharatra um, are a little terse, so just we'll we'll go to the next section, otherwise so many other questions will come up. And we'll also notice going forward is the way Jiva Goswami quotes different scriptures and these different different slokas from the different scriptures they're written by different sages at different times and the sages are referring and we'll be discussing and using those verses as evidence that Jiva uses but it'll sound like there's a contradiction in what's being presented so what I want to say to us as students here is we need to keep focused on the overall point that Jiva's making and not try to parse out some little what our mind would say as a description between one Shastra and another Shastra, one sage and another sage, one context and another context because he's going to be pulling evidences from different contexts and there's there will say well what is it is it this or is it that let us keep focused on what jiva is trying to present overall otherwise we could just get wrapped up in in what would appear to us to be unlimited contradictions in the scriptures but jiva is taking portions and he's trying to make a point. So if we focus on the point that he's trying to make and not on the minutiae of the wording of a particular Shastra as presented from the lips of a particular shade or from the Shruti itself, which is, uh, well, it's not of human origin, a Purushaya, uh, that will serve us well going forward. Jiva goes on here. We're still in the first Anucheta. We will try to finish it here. I'll read a little bit, which will be an introduction of some of the detail that we're going to be confronted with in the next Anucheta and more. Therefore, when it is said that Sri Pradyumna is the indweller of Brahma, Sri Vishnu of Manu, and Sri Sankarshan of Rudra. 
it is to be understood that Bhagavan Sri Krishna alone, having manifested along with his various parts, becomes the root indweller of these diverse beings through their corresponding partial manifestations. There's the first quadruple and the second quadruple, and we're going to be really unpacking that a little bit in the next one. Okay. For this reason, and you may not understand it when we're <laughs> Sorry to say, that's what I was trying to trying to allude to in my last little discussion there. We may not fully under, understand it because different sages are having different revelations of these different manifestations of the energy of the Supreme, both in the transcendental realm and the material realm. But we'll walk away with a more in-depth understanding overall. For this reason, Rudra is said to be, I'm sorry, is said to have his source, Prakriti, both in Sri Sankarshan for the play of cosmic dissolution, as well as in the Purusha for the play of cosmic creation, as in the prose passage from the fifth canto. Sri Shiva worships his own source, who is known as Sri Sankarshan. That's from the fifth canto. And also, from the eleventh canto, that primeval Purusha, united with Rajas, appearing in the beginning as Brahma for the creation of this universe, and united with Tabas, he appeared as Rudra for its destruction. This is also explained in the Vishnu Purana. This will come out more, but the position of Shiva is very unique in that he's that manifestation of the Supreme Lord who contacts the material energy. So he's that intermediary, but he still has these potencies. So he's, he's like yogurt to milk. He is and he isn't. He is in that he has all the potencies. That's what kind of is coming out here for both creation and dissolution of the universe. But he, he contacts Maya. He contacts that other agency. And it would, appear that, it would appear that it affects him. His throat does become uh, blue. Blue. That's when he drinks the well, he's contacting the material potency, so it's apparent that there's something there. It's not like it didn't do something to him, but it didn't affect him because he could have drank. He drank all of it, and he still went on, but he did get a, a little bit of a, a blue throat from it. So he does contact for what? Well, he's the linga, so that's going to come out in the next Danucheta, mm. and a detailed explanation of that terminology. So from the Vishnu Purana, Jiva Goswami goes on, although you are one, you are situated in five ways, as Bhuta, Bhutatma, the self of the gross material elements, Indriyatma, the self of the senses, Pradhanatma, 
the self of the unmanifested primordial nature, Atma, the self of the individual self, and Paramatma, the supreme self. Rudra is those. No, this is just this is just different explanations of the Paramatma feature within the material energy. And sometimes that expansions, those expansions, the energy of those expansions is coming through Lord Shiva in contact in the material energy. So there's a different aspect there. That Shiva is not Paramatma, but he's a manifestation of the Lord also in relationship to the material energy. So he's, he's just brought that up um, by way of expl- explaining the nature of the Lord when he is contacting the material, his external material potency. Jiva continues, Therefore is concluded that the Purusha alone is the imminent indweller, Atriyami of all beings, who is referred to as Paramatma in the following verse, this is from the very beginning of the Bhagavatam, second chapter, all those who have realized absolute reality, tattva, describe this reality as non-dual consciousness, advaya jnan. This reality is referred to as Brahman, Paramatma, and Bhagavan. Sridhar Swami has also given a similar explanation while commenting on the prayers of Varuna. I offer obeisances unto Bhagavan, who is Brahman and Paramatma. Here he says Paramatma means the regulator of all living beings. When it is said that Paramatma appears as the Purusha due to the limiting adjunct adjunct of Maya, it is the figure in the figurative sense only, Jiva saying. This is stated in the Vishnu Purana. This is a very important point also for us to take. When it is said that Paramatma is limited within the cosmos, he's limited, that's his realm of jurisdiction, but It's still the Paramatma feature of the Supreme Lord. He's not limited by Maya. Although Maya's coming through his manifestation as Karnadakshai Vishnu, so all these Purusha avatars will be explained more fully as we go forward. But we have to understand when... When we hear statements in the scriptures that seem to allude to the fact that the Paramatma feature of the Supreme is limited by in any way by Maya, that can not be taken literally. It's only a, a figurative reference to the fact that it appears that that's his, you know, he's limited by that realm of the material cosmos. 
over. He's, he's not limited by it. So it's figurative only. And as evidence of that, this verse is coming from the Vishnu Purana. I bow down the, to the primeval, worshipable supreme person, Purushatama, who has no end, no origin, no increase, no modifications, no decrease, and no byproducts. I also bow to the imperishable Purusha who proceeds from and partakes of the same virtues as Purushatama, who, though one, alone manifests as many, who, though pure, appears to be impure due to the differences arising from divisions of forms, who is endowed with knowledge and is the creator of the powers of all created beings. So when it says he's limited, it just means that that's his field of activities? Yeah. That's a field that he works in. Okay. According to Sridhar Swami, Tashyaiva Anu here means subsequent to the aforementioned supreme person, the Purusha Tama, spoken of in the previous verse, manifests as many, Bahuda refers to his appearing in the form of Brahma and so on, as if impure, Asuda, means as if attached to the work of creation. It appears like he's attached to creating. Well, that's what he does, but we can't say he's attached to it. He's still the supreme personality of Godhead. due to the differences arising from divisions of form. He appears in many different forms. The Purusha avatars, Guna avatars, they're all coming through Paramatma. So it looks unlimited forms. So, and then you have Brahma, Vishnu, and Shiva the guna avatars. So we still have to under, even though he has all these forms, well, it could seem like he's, he's confined by those forms and the functions of those forms. Jiva's saying, don't think like that. And why we don't think like that? Well, because Sridhar Swami in his commentary says, that's not the way to look at the verses. That's an improper understanding. Due to the differences arising from divisions of form, Morti Vibhaga Veda refers to the forms of Daksha, Manu, and so on. Creator of the powers of all created beings means that he disperses the living beings throughout the creation. To Shridhar's comment, it should be added that the word Gunabuk, who partakes of the same virtues, means that he is a relisher of the bliss of the six intrinsic qualities of Bhagavan. So Jiva's adding his own. No, understand, really, He's relishing bliss. This is what Paramatma does. 
He's relishing the bliss of his intrinsic potencies manifesting in different forms, but he's not relishing having material forms. It's 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 important. Jiva Jiva's again just more and more bringing us to a point that when we we look to the Paramatma feature within the material cosmos, we don't apply and allow ourselves to carry misconceptions into this realm of understanding. The Shrutis also describe him as pure. And then some various um, Upanishadic statements will conclude this first Anucheta. There is one Deva who is hidden within all beings. He is all-pervading and the imminent self of all beings. He is the overseer of all actions, the abode of all beings, the witness, consciousness, conscious, pure, and untouched by the material gunas. You can see how somebody, when you look to the Paramatma feature within the material cosmos, and how the Paramatma feature looks to be well, he's, he's there. There's two, two conscious beings within the cavity, as we read earlier this evening. So you could think, well, he's limited. Here he is in, in, the, you know, in this form. He's, he's in every living entity. He looks like he's caged. No, we're in the cage. He decides... He's also there with us, but he's not in any way affected by our conditional existence. No matter from the highest Lord Brahma to the lowest, he's with every living entity, but he's not affected. Never think that way. And then you can properly understand the nature of the Paramatma feature of the Supreme Lord. Another verse he concludes with in this Anucheta, there is a red, white, and black she-goat. The unborn. She-goat. In other words, the unborn. Or Maya. That produces offspring all of the same nature as herself. There is one ram, the jiva, also unborn, who is captivated enjoys her. But another ram, the unborn, unborn Paramatma, abandons this she-goat, considering her as already enjoyed. It's just a Upanishadic statement to, to give us some insight to be the difference between the functions in the material world of a jiva who's enamored by the modes of material nature and Paramatma, who has no interest in enjoying this material existence. It's already been enjoyed. Who wants to chew the chewed? I have no interest in that. But the jiva has all interest. Oh, as a ram. There's, the, there's this she-goat, that she-goat, and that she I got the mode of goodness, the mode of passion. I can, I can exploit all these different 
modes of material natures as a ram in material nature and Paramatma's like, yeah, not interested. It's already been had, been there, done that. Kind of like that. Of course, he's not been there and done that. But you understand my point. Therefore, the explanation given in the first two Praman verses, Jiva concludes, has been shown to be appropriate. Remind ourselves of the first two verses in the discussion between Jadbarat and the pure knower of the presentational field, Shetragya, merely perceives these beginningless modifications, vibhutis, of the impure actor, the mind, which is but an adjunct, upadi, of the empirical self, the jiva and a product of Baya. Its modifications are sometimes manifest in the waking and dream state, and sometimes unmanifested in deep sleep and samadhi. So, there's a field of activities, Jad Bharat's saying, and there's a jiva that's experiencing that field. And truly, that jivatma in its, its, its essential nature is pure. Then he goes on in the very next verse, from the fifth canto, eleventh chapter. The supreme witness of the field is the eminent self, Atma, the primordial person. And then he goes on to give so many un- explanations of what is the nature of that pure observer within the jivatma, within the body. The most ancient... Uh, unmediately self-revealing, unborn, almighty controller, interior regulator, inherently endowed with potency, the substratum of all beings, and who is established in his own intrinsic being by virtue of the potency that is innate to his own being, swamayaya. And we have reached the conclusion of the first Anucheda, of the Paramatma Sandarva, which consists of 110 Anuchetas. Oh Are there any questions? Thank you very much for your association.